You're listening to Tips with T, and I'm your host, Tiara, but you can call me T. I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys my journey of becoming an entrepreneur. Plus, I will discuss tips on how to achieve that financial freedom that you have been looking for. So stay tuned. guys thanks for listening in to this episode today of tips with tea on today i have hope with us hey hope how are you doing hey i'm great how are you i'm doing well so tell us more about yourself and what you do oh that's a lot (laughs) (laughs) well my name is hope uh i'm an entrepreneur um i'm a cinephile i am a uh, music lover and artist and I started a company called Sonder Blue, which is all about film lovers, filmmakers, and community. Awesome. Awesome. In a nutshell. <laughs> awesome. So tell us, like, how was your journey of becoming an entrepreneur? Like, how did you start the journey? You know, believe it or not, I started when I was a kid. My first when I was, and I'm from New York City. I don't know what, because I don't know what it is, what the law is across this, across the country. But at 14, you can get a work permit. So in order to get a work permit, your parents have to sign a little form. You go to your school, they form this school signs off, and it's your work permit. And when you go to apply for jobs, you show them the permit. It tells them that you're able to work, and all is copacetic. Well. My dad wouldn't sign it. In fact, no one would sign his work permit. So I couldn't get a job. And I was like, but I want money. <laughs> what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And um, I went to a school, the Professional Performing Arts School, which has expanded. It's it's a it's like a premier school for for um, children in the arts. And in on the lower level was this uh, like Head Start, kindergarten, school, and someone had recommended, well, why don't you babysit? So I did. And I would charge people to walk their kids from point A to point B. I would, you know, babysit. And then I realized I want to make more money than this. So I got the idea of asking some of my fellow students to babysit for me. And I would collect, (laughs) I would do my babysitting but then I would also pay them to do babysitting. So I wound up making like really good money. And I was like 14 years old and never told my dad because <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, he was like babysitting is fine. But if he knew that I was like running a business, he would have been like, no, this is, this is embarrassing. Like no. <laughs> so, but cause I was, I was really good at it. <laughs> I didn't anticipate being so good at it. So um, yeah, that was my first business. And when I was in high school, there was Columbia University had a, uh, a program attached to their business school where you could take, uh, if you were accepted into the program, you would take their business school courses. And then during the summer, you would start your own business. They would give you seed money. Uh, you would learn business principles. You'd be mentored. You would be actually a... Columbia University students. And, and so I was like, okay. And, and I got into the program and I did that for, and I started my second business while in that program. So I've been, you know, <laughs> dancing between being an artist and in business since I was a teenager. 
Awesome. Awesome. So um, tell us more about all the different businesses that you have started on your entrepreneurial journey, because I know one you was telling me you was babysitting. So what are some other um, businesses that you oh, God. When I was When I was in the Young Entrepreneurs Program at Columbia University, I started a t-shirt business. Mm -hmm. uh, it was more like practice. Like you, you learn the principles of business. And then I started a, a personal fitness business um, when I was um, still a teen. Um, I mean, that's, that's what comes to mind off the top of my head. Um, and then I was always, I've always been an artist, but because I don't like being poor, I went into the professional world and I used all of those skills in other businesses. Like I learned to negotiate contracts. So, you know, I realized why I really like doing that and, you know, building relationships and things of that nature. Um, but I've always done something like business oriented my entire life. And then about five or six years ago, I was really annoyed. I was with a company and I couldn't, I, I just thought they're, 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 I just thought the way they were managing was horrible. Like they were missing business opportunities and things like that. And a friend of mine who, who advises companies, he sat me down one day and he said, listen, you need to stop working for other people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he just point blank, like you are not an employee. And, and he was right. I've always done my own sort of business, but I never really thought to scale up on those businesses before because my interests were really in the arts. And so everything that I did was about, you know, supporting myself as I pursued the arts. And he was the first person to go, listen, you're not, you're not an employee. You suck at being an employee because you have way too many ideas. You're looking at how things operate. You know, you're looking at operational improvements, things of that nature. You're just not fit to be an important employee. <laughs> I realized he was really right. <laughs> yeah, every, everybody is not meant to be an employee and everybody is not meant to be an entrepreneur. So it's very important to know and realize what best suits you. Some people, they get that drive to work for someone else every day. And some of us, we are just like, uh, we dread going to work. We dread being on someone else's time schedule, time frame, um, not having that flexibility that we need. Well, I mean, you, you end up kind of doing that. You can do that in, in biz, as, a, as, a, as a business. I mean, when you think about, you know, I, I kind of look at contractors as employees that are not with a company, not on a company payroll, right? Right. That's different than being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. An entrepreneur is a completely different beast. Um, and when you're doing that, you are on a time frame. You are still, uh, in a way, punching a clock. It's just the clock looks a little different. Mm -hmm. it, it comes down to the level of responsibility and your ability to be to be adaptable and to adapt. Mm -hmm. um, I find that when I speak to CEOs, the ones that I think are really effective and good or the ones I've met, um, they don't see problems. Like you, you, an employee will go home and 
you know, they just did what they were supposed to do that day. But when you're a CEO, you're looking at everything. And when something doesn't go right, you don't turn around and go, oh man, that sucks. I mean, you may do that, but then you have to um, take stock, learn, grow, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a different mindset, you know? But I just, I, I wanted to make that distinction because I think there are people who think, um, who, who may be independent contractors for years and then realize, you know what? I really am, I don't want to work. I don't want, I don't want the, the hassle of working for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I want someone else to do with the, 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 the issues associated with that. Mm -hmm. So what would you say 2020 gave you or taught you in the terms of your business? Oh, oh God. <laughs> um, I think, per, first of all, for me personally, um, I had to slow down. Mm -hmm. Really good. Everything slowed down. Mm -hmm. And because everything slowed down, I, I think I was able to see things that I hadn't seen before. Mm -hmm in myself as a business leader and in, and in my, my business itself. Um, on one hand, it's made it a little easier to, to reach an audience because you know where everyone is, right? <laughs> you kind of know where everyone is and a little difficult because everyone is, knows where everyone is. So you have to be a little, I've, I've, I've really sat down and I think for a while in terms of my marketing development, I had a, a, a specific niche I wanted to, to go after first, just sort of like my introductory. And then I really looked at it and said, okay, who are you? Who, who, what is Sandra Blue? Who is Sandra Blue? Who are you? And that, and, and I had to kind of, and I made not a product pivot, but a marketing pivot mm -hmm. that addresses that because I don't, and I don't think I would have taken a time to refine even more clearly uh, these marketing points um, before. Right. With me, I think what 2020 has definitely taught me is to be prepare for change because change can happen at any given time Love. so definitely need to be prepared for change and it also taught me to um to be more structured um you maybe to have certain days where you do certain tasks mm -hmm. and let that be a consistency and try to try instead of trying to accomplish all your tasks on one day um every day that can um, overwhelm you it can burn you out mm -hmm. so now meet with me going into you know this new year 2021 basically you know I'm sitting down I'm getting my I'm getting more in depth with organization on how to create a structure so if I do hire someone or I do need an assistance to come on they know well on Monday those are um, T administration days that's when she you know responds to emails and get things out or mm -hmm. you know different things of that nature um, so just getting to be more structured and organized and, um, you know, always being willing to open to change. How can you pivot your business um, to where 
you know, now we're in the pandemic still and we mm -hmm. have to be virtual. So um, learning to be more tech savvy, staying on top of that, right. you know, so that's what that had taught me. <laughs> if there's any advice that I could give in that area, because I've, I've had to deal with do that myself, mm -hmm. it's write down your process, your process, because someone else, as you grow, someone else has to, um, has to take it over. Right. And if they're doing it their way and you're doing it your way and someone else is doing it another way, it just kind of becomes a big issue. Mm -hmm. And you have to assume that people are going to sort of fluctuate, come and go. Mm -hmm. And if they're doing something effective, you want to know what they're doing that's effective mm -hmm. so that you can train the next person to do it as effectively as the person you hired who was doing it effective the first time. Um, and also you, you, you'll see holes. Like I find, I, I find like yesterday, I just, I issued a policy change after watching, uh, something with, you know, an issue that I was, a consistent issue I was having with development. And I was like, hey, this is a consistent issue. And, and this is all, I found it only because I document everything. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, we're going to now put this step in the process because we need to correct this flow um, because we're trying to produce this outcome. Um, and that's, and I think that's the difference between being a contractor and like a CEO, like you're looking at processes all the time, like that one is not working. Let's fix that. Mm -hmm. So not that I'm telling you to do, it's just a piece of advice. <laughs> I'm over here while you were saying that I was over here writing down little notes to make sure I can start implementing some of these things. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're doing something yourself that works, mm -hmm. Look at what you're doing that why it's working. Like I think we do things every day and we're like, oh, it just it works. And then we when you're in business, you kind of an, initially assume other people are gonna just pick up where you left off. But people aren't in my people aren't in my head. Like if you were in my head, you'd be like, okay, let me get out. Mm -hmm. But you know, there are things that you know I want other people to do and I have to sort of spell it out for them. Or sometimes other people are doing things better than me. And I want to know what they're doing and how they're doing it and how I can apply it to me or incorporate it. That's why, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of writing things down. I have KPIs. That's a big thing I, I tell people. You need to have KPIs, mm -hmm. key performance indicators. Yeah. If you have a goal and, and, and quite frankly, I've always been this way. I, I, you know, I never, even in my personal life, I have, if I have a goal, I know what the end result is and I work backwards and I know if I'm hitting my mark, mm -hmm. but in business, because you've got so many elements that you have to negotiate at the same time, you have to make sure that, you know, these, you, you have to create, you know, sort of a roadmap that, that leads to the ultimate goal. So that means marketing has to hit this goal. Mm -hmm. Development has to hit that goal. You know, your, operations have to hit this goal like what 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 is it that everyone needs to do along an um what's the word I'm looking for a continuum to reach the goal and the way I find the most effective way for me to monitor that is using KPIs mm -hmm. awesome so. well that's a good tip so you also have a podcast too as well so tell us more about your podcast um 
<laughs> well, I'm not as good as you are. I'm still learning. And um, as part of, you know, I'm, you know, like I said earlier, I'm also a cinephile. I love film. I grew up just film and music was it's just my backbone of my life. And um, when I started this uh, company, I wanted to serve, you know, not just have a great product that I wanted to use, but also serve the filmmaking community. Mm -hmm. So I created a program as part of our pre-launch called the Filmmaker Spotlight Series. Mm -hmm. And essentially what, what each episode is, we sit down with uh, a filmmaker and we talk to them about their career, right? Because we, we, we have, we try to stick to shorts because it's easier to digest, you know? Mm -hmm. um, we do have one feature in there at the, at the moment. And we talked and I talked to them about their career. I talked to them about them and um, learning how to be a good, you know, question asker, learning. And then we show the film. Remember the old days when DVD, in, during DVDs, you have the, you know, director's commentary. Mm -hmm. We sit down with them and they walk us through their films. And they tell us things like, hey, this is what was going on behind the scenes, or this is how I directed that actor, or, you know, this is what was going on. And then we, we you know, we try to, uh, and then they, they're part of our, and they, the, the movie itself goes on our platform, the interviews go on our platform. Um, you can watch it, it's a podcast, it's also a, uh, a video, it's going to be part of it will be streaming on YouTube and then on our platform. So we have, um, so far we've shot a little over 20 episodes mm -hmm. and we've got some great filmmakers. Um, there's a couple on there I cannot stop raving about. Uh, one is called Rebel. It's, it's knocked my socks off, knocks my socks off. Um, Another one is South of Bix. So anyway, these are all really great films that we're featuring during the Filmmaker Spotlight series. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, Ms. Hope, for being on the show today. So I'm gonna share your social media handles and tell everyone how we can get in contact with you. Awesome. So Ms. Hope, what are some other ways we can get in contact with you? Well, I mean, you can reach out to me um, on Facebook. You can reach out to me on Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube channel. We're still in development with that. Uh, you can email me at hcochran at sonderblue.com. Um, also, if you're a filmmaker and you want to be considered for the Spotlight Series or to be a part of the platform itself once we're up and ready to go, uh, which is going to be later this year, then you can go to sonderblue.com and submit your film for consideration. Um, and, you know, you should join us for our spotlight series. You check, that'll be on our YouTube channel and on our platform itself. And our, and our podcasts are going to be on, uh, I think, iTunes and Spotify and Awesome. Awesome. I was just about to ask you what platforms your podcast is going to be on because I wasn't, they wasn't listed. But um, all right, you guys. So if you want to get in contact with me, 
you can do so. My number is 910-317-0396. You can shoot me an email at contact at mjfinancial.biz. You can schedule a consultation, um, www.mjfinancial.biz. You can find this episode on Anchor, you guys. You can also find the playback for this video on the YouTube channel. And if you guys would like to be a guest on the podcast, just shoot me an email at contact at mjfinancial.biz and we'll be glad to have you on the show. Thank you once again, Ms. Hope, for being a guest today. I highly appreciate you. Thank you. Same here. I appreciate you. All right, you guys, we will see you on the next episode of Tips with Tea. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the podcast channel, please become a supporter. Your support helps me to bring you more tips with tea. I greatly appreciate it and this podcast wouldn't have been possible without you.